0: Hi there, my name is Dan Murphy, and you are listening to the Don't Change Much podcast. We're super excited to welcome our guest today, a good friend of the show, Nick Taylor. Nick is a pro golfer who's played on the PGA Tour since 2015. He's also a husband and a father of two. He joins us on the heels of a historic win at the Canadian Open, the first Canadian in 69 years to win on home soil. Nick's success has him currently ranked inside the top 50 of the official World Golf Rankings. Nick shares his health insights with us today, including how he balances the highs and lows of competing against the best in the world. Here he is, uh, Nick Taylor, 2023 Canadian Open champion. And uh, Nick, I'll I'll start with that. Uh, How have things changed for you, if at all, since uh, winning the title?
1: Probably recognize a little bit more in, uh, random locations, but, um, I don't think life at home has, has changed a whole lot. I'm still changing diapers and getting up with running around with my, my three and a half year old son. So, um, life's been good. Obviously golf has been great, uh, this season. Um, and so yeah, that, that part of, of, uh, I guess my career has been going really, really well this year. And uh, at home life, you know, we had a pretty big change three months ago with, with our daughter being born. And we're just kind of adjusting to that. But everything's everything's been great.
0: So it must have been a bit of a whirlwind after you won the event. Uh, tell me what it was like on the range when you kind of got back there with some of your peers and who might have come up to you and, and talked to you that might not have in the past or just came up and said they watched, uh, you know, the playoff in the moment on 18.
1: Yeah, I think that was, you know, talking with Dave Markle, my caddy, it was Pretty overwhelming, to be honest. The next week was the US Open down in LA. And, you know, I couldn't tell you how many people stopped by. There was, you know, some of the European players there that were supporting Tommy in the playoff. You know, it'd come up, you know, Shane Lowry would be first comes to mind. But, you know, Shane was just saying how that was one of the craziest atmospheres that he's he's been around, you know, and just just words like that coming from him where he's won the British Open in his home country um he won the irish am or irish open as an amateur you know he's done some special things to just to say that that atmosphere was that you know electric um was pretty neat you know it, the physio room was rory john rom a lot of guys you know guys that you know I'm, I'm cordial with but to to say congratulations and kind of reach out that they've been watching was uh that week was pretty special and then even after that guys i had seen you know even john deere scottish um a lot of guys have come up to us. So it's been pretty cool.
0: Just go back a little bit because I think you, you reference this uh, in your, uh, perhaps after round four in media availability, but you obviously didn't get off to the best start that week. Uh, your wife, Andy, uh, who was not in Toronto, correct?
1: Yeah, no, she was home.
0: She was home in Abbotsford. So uh, you had a conversation with her um, and it wasn't uh, exactly a, a, just a, I support you one and she's telling you get your acting gear?
1: Yeah, you know, she'd watched a bit of the, I think I was on, a feature group uh Thursday morning, and I remember getting off to a decent start and just hitting a a really uncharacteristic wide shot I think on maybe sixteen and just kind of let that affect me lingered it too long, had a tough kind of three four hole stretch and I think from her eyes, I just looked like I was having a miserable time out there and <laughs> so a lot of it was just like you know what we're doing fine at home, you know, I'm here with two kids, enjoy yourself, don't worry about us i think even after I think it was the PGA and colonial um right after our our daughter Harper was born was, you know, it was, it was, I was excited to get back to golf, but also, you know, a lot of me wanted to be home helping Andy being with, you know, with our new daughter. So um, that was kind of tough, but just kind of hearing the words, Hey, we're, we're fine here. Just do your thing and come back home when you're done. And and also stop looking miserable (laughs) was probably the best best words I could hear. Cause I knew my game was a good spot. I just need to be in the right, right. Kind of mindset.
0: What was the atmosphere like on 18? Uh, you know, when, after the putt went in, like you obviously hear guys say, I blacked out briefly before I came to, uh, yeah. can you tell us what it was like from the moment you struck the pot until, uh, perhaps after Adam got tackled by security?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was bedlam. It was, uh, you know, people were trying to rush the greens. um, you know, obviously the rain was coming down, there was players coming on the green, the media, Um, you know, the corner of my eye, I saw Adam get tackled, but then we were right back. <laughs> I think Corey Connors came in, I gave him a big hug. So it was um the whole four holes, honestly, was, you know, when everybody had to run to the ninth green, it was amazing how fast they got there to, to kind of have the same electric atmosphere on the ninth green and coming back. So, uh you know, it was something that, you know, I hope to be a part of it again, but I don't know if uh, I'll ever emulate that. It was, it was pretty special.
0: So when all, all the madness was done and you go back to your hotel and uh, you're looking at your phone and you're getting some messages and uh, how many times did you watch the putt on your phone or on TV? Did you get a chance to enjoy it all?
1: Yeah. When I've, you know, after the U S open, we definitely came back, watched the coverage. um, was able to see that. I saw the putt mostly the putt and Adam getting tackled. <laughs> I think a lot over the next few days. Um, you know, a lot of it, I feel like my perception almost changed over time because I had had my own, you know, uh, like, I guess, memory of it. Dave charging at me, you know, celebrating there. But then seeing it from different perspectives was, was definitely unique. And then I almost now only see that perspective because I've seen it so many times. But, um, yeah, it was it was a, a whirlwind of a few days. I felt like being home for two weeks after the U.S. Open was, uh, was nice to kind of recharge. We had a little kind of celebratory get together with some friends. And, um, that was a lot of fun to kind of, you know, just to celebrate it because just you never know if that's ever going ha- to happen again.
0: Okay, uh, I think like it'd be fair to say that you said you're getting recognized more. That probably started earlier in the year. I know you'd won on tour twice, uh, Sanderson Farms early in your career, and then just before the pandemic at uh, Pebble. But uh, elevated event in Phoenix earlier this year, just because of who was right there with you, Scheffler and John Rahm, one and two in the world. Um, is that kind of where? you know, this season really took shape?
1: I think so. I think there was a lot of work behind the scenes last off season. And I think last fall was, was a good stepping stone. I had a top 10 early on and, and, and some good results. And then, you know, I started the year off pretty nicely in Hawaii, had a nice result. And then that just kind of fed into to Phoenix. And it's a course where I never really had much success there, but I've played there a bunch. I live right down the road um you know put a little more time in this year playing it leading up to it trying to breed the greens a little bit better and you know it was a week where i felt like i played really really well it felt like i definitely played well enough to win um scotty just played a little bit better so i took a lot of confidence from that you know playing with with him and john in the final group you know toe to toe with him to the very end so i definitely took a lot of confidence from that obviously being one of the first elevated events you know the crowds there were were insane as well. Um, weren't necessarily one sided pulling for me, but still, just being in that atmosphere, I think definitely helped me going forward for the season and definitely at the Cane Open um, to kind of just know what I'm kind of getting myself into and be able to to kind of focus and, and let it all let it go. Manage your stress, not the other way around. For simple ways to improve your mental health, check out the free MindFit toolkit. From the Canadian Men's Health Foundation, complete a self-assessment, access virtual counseling, and learn more about how anxiety, stress, or depression might be impacting your health. Go to men'shealthfoundation.ca and access the MindFit Toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today.
0: I mean, you've been on tour for a decade and a half. It made you know solid living uh but here you are mid-30s uh, what changed in the off season or what improvements did you make and i'm not going to talk about putting or, or or work off the course or work on the course but what about off the course in terms of uh different mental preparation perhaps uh mind coaches and and, and things like that or or even just uh you know someone you talk to about uh just about your game
1: yeah i i'd seen bob rotella last summer um you know he's kind of a, a guru in the the mental side of golf for a long time. I'd read a handful of his books and just wanted to take it a step further and you know after that, I was in the off season I knew Chris Bertram's a good friend of mine and he's definitely gone to the mental performance side of golf and um other things as well, but sports as well and so we kind of sat down and he's like you know if we're going to do this let's let's put together a plan. Let's do this full time. And I was all in. And so a lot of it has kind of been, you know, that 1% type stuff, kind of daily routines shifted a little bit um, to kind of put everything focused towards kind of the end goal is be as best I can be. And, you know, a lot of it would be from simple diet things to, you know, routines and movements in the gym, just being sticking to the process and doing that over and over again. And um, I feel like I've been really consistent with that, especially probably since January, but it, it all really started in September. And a lot of it was, you know, one of the first things we did was a lot of mindfulness stuff and just being aware of kind of where my thoughts are going aware of um, where I am on the golf course, off the golf course. And so it's kind of been baby steps and he's probably taking it slow with me, but I felt like the process has really uh, turned out definitely in the long run.
0: Why did you feel like you wanted to go this route?
1: I, I just felt like I wasn't getting enough out of my potential. I guess I could say, I felt like, yeah, I've been on tour for at that time was 8 years. I'd won a couple of times, but I just felt like I, I just wasn't getting what I needed out of it and um, you know, I've had a lot of people around me on my team currently, not on my team anymore that have said how much faith they have in my potential, my game. And so I felt like, you know, I've always had that belief and people around me keep telling it that uh, you know, I felt like just needed a minor minor switch and I felt like probably off the course stuff and between the years is probably where I wanted to start.
0: Uh, okay. So, cause I think a lot of times when, when guys have kids, it becomes more difficult to, to focus on the sport. It's happened a lot, right? I mean, your priorities change a little bit. Um, so how have you managed uh, to balance, you know, the work life, father, husband, has it been yeah. difficult at that times?
1: Certainly. I think um, you definitely need to, to schedule out your time better you know with everybody in mind you know i want to spend time with my kids i also want to you know be as best as i can be on the golf course you know i want to be around for my wife to help her or for us to spend time together so it's definitely prioritizing your time um and really trying to condense things to be as efficient as possible um so i think i've gotten better over that especially since our son was born and and now with two it needs to be even more um you know on the road it's a little bit different probably because it's it's definitely all about me on the road so I definitely probably have to be a little more selfish than, than someone would be, especially when I'm at home. Um, I felt like probably my practice habits have changed the most. Just being at home, you know, I, I'll, I'll carve out a few hours a day. Um, probably going around nap times and such like that, but to, to get things, you know, done in an efficient manner and feel like I'm prepared going to next week is, is important. So just being more, more timely is, is definitely part of the reason why that's that's going on
0: your son charlie but he was on the road with you and andy correct was that the last couple of years that you guys traveled as a family
1: yeah we've we've they've probably done half the events um i would say on average you know when when he was when covid hit he was three or four months old so they didn't travel for a decent part during covid um and that part was hard too i don't think i really adjusted that very well just being on the road for weeks at a time not seeing your family you know it's, it's easier to get things done potentially you've you know, when I'm on the course and doing my things, but you know, when you're not with the people that you want to, you want to be with, it just over time, it takes a toll. So, um, it's been nice to be able to travel. It's, it can be difficult. We're just overseas, you know, we got countless bags, um, setting things up, taking them down, taking trains and everything. It, it uh, it's tough, but it's definitely stuff that we want to do.
0: Uh, so, you know, walk us through that because you mentioned practice. You know, a lot of people, you know, feel that your your game, you go, you show up on a Monday, Tuesday, you play nine holes, maybe 18 pro-am, and then you play. But uh, to consistently try to improve uh, and get better as a player, you need practice time as well. And I'm guessing practice time wasn't a problem when you were younger, especially when you didn't have a family. Uh, but just the planning and the organization that you need to do now In order to get those reps in that you need to perform at your best.
1: Yeah, I I think what I've done really well, especially the last say year or so, is just narrowing down what things are are great for me to kind of get that one percent a day. And if that's certain drills for me, certain things to focus on and not focus on, I think that's where I've really probably meshed out my own personal plan. I think everyone's slightly different, especially in the golf world. But you know, that's working with my coaches, um, caddy the whole team, you know, figuring out what, what's going to make me the most efficient in the least amount of time. Um, I felt like growing up, probably you, you thought, you know, you're, if you're spending 12 hours at the golf course, you're going to get better. And that's partly true, but also if you're doing the wrong things, you can definitely go in the opposite direction too, especially in, in golf. However, they always say, if you try too hard, you're probably <laughs> not going to get the results that you want. So it, it's, it's a very fine balance, but I think I've, I've really narrowed it down and done well this year that, um, you know, you just pick up the things that make me better, stick to them, stick to the process of doing those things. Um, and there's no guarantee every time results will come. But I think enough results have come for me this year that I know that we've kind of found a game plan that works for me.
0: What about the power of saying no and needing to be selfish every once in a while?
1: Yeah, it's hard. You know, that, that was definitely probably another level up since since the Cane Open, you know, saying no to casual rounds of golf saying no to interviews saying no to certain things you know i feel like andy my wife and i our family live pretty simple lives but um you know it still is something you got to get used to is saying no to things that you potentially want to do but it'll it'll save some time here or there or just prioritize what you want to do
0: you mentioned your practice habits how they've changed a bit uh how you've condensed them and, and maximize the time what about uh fitness how does that fit into your your daily lifestyle
1: you know, it's probably a little different on the road versus um, when I'm when I'm at home, not at tournaments. You know, at, on the road, I have a pretty pretty diligent routine. You know, I'll have my my PT out there, um, Craig Davies out there, so I'll see him every morning to kind of get get a stretch, get an alignment. You know, check everything. Kind of goes through a lot of my issues typically, are with not issues, but stuff to check on would be hips, kind of back and neck. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty constant with a lot of players but um and then i'll have a 20 to 25 minute kind of warm-up routine in the gym um so usually i budget about 45 minutes for all of that and that's that's a pretty standard daily routine um you know i'll try to fit a workout in there maybe on a tuesday or, or after a morning round on that thursday or friday but the, i say the most consistent thing would be the warm-up um you know when i at home i did a good job over over the christmas holidays i kind of to t- try to put some weight on, actually do some workouts in the gym and try to, and really just try to maintain that throughout the season. Um like I said, it's been a little bit different since we've had our our second here in the last two months we're at home. It's really trying to figure out schedules and when I can buy, you know, forty five minutes here or there to, to work out in the gym. And that's where, you know, if, if things are a little tough for that day or lack of sleep, then um that's probably gonna be pushed aside and I'd rather just, you know, hit some balls or or work on some short game stuff. So um that's kind of figuring out what I'm gonna do. But on the road I've definitely still stick to my my plan of getting the body moving before I kinda do anything in that day.
0: So even if you've got a seven thirty tea time, what's the wake up call? Four thirty or something to get to uh, coffee or a bite to eat before you go for the alignment and the warm up?
1: Yeah, I'm usually up around three hours just how I get to the course maybe two fifteen, two and a half before the round and um kind of see Craig do my thing. Before that, I'll probably have a little bit of breakfast, but yeah, it's, it's kind of got down to a bit of, of, uh, of a process. So when there's a 7, 8, 7 a.m. tea time, it's definitely trying to be an early, early bedtime the night before because the early mornings, but um, yeah, definitely got into a pretty routine getting to the gorse.
0: Sleep important to you for optimizing your performance? Have you found that at all?
1: Huge. That was one of the first things that uh, Chris Bertram and I did. You know, I, I don't wear the whoop currently. Um, I've worn it on and off since it's come out the last three years or so, but that was kind of an exercise that we did to build awareness of, of how I really felt with sleep, Um, trying to get a consistent kind of bedtime awake time. Um, It's very important. You know, I, I feel like if you have a lack of sleep, especially in our job, getting up super early, you know, on a, on a tea time, you know, I was maybe a little more irritable, less patient, you know, sometimes you might have good rounds, but it probably, you know, I feel like by the end of the round, you can lose a bit of patience and and that can definitely affect your your swing, your score, your mental attitude. So I try to prioritize sleep as much as I can.
0: How does your support system, uh, family, your team, uh, how much do they contribute to your on-course success, do you think?
1: Oh, it's it's massive. You know, I think, you know, if I, if I start with family, like Annie, the support that she's given me at home or at the course um, is second to none. I feel like... You know, family is so important to me, but also, like I said, I kind of have to be selfish when we're on the road, kind of stick to my schedule and it it can be tough on her. But, you know, I know they're there to support me and and I want them there. So it's not easy when they're out there necessarily, but being together is definitely important to us um all the coaches that I've had on my team you know Dave Markle is my caddy you know they're they're there to to try to make the best out of what I can be and you know all of their influence their their help the hours they've they've done they've put in is is massively important to all the success
0: how do you limit the distractions and I think I, I know something here if you're in contention I I get the sense you kind of put your phone away on the weekend uh you know you probably limit your limit your contact to family um is that something you do if you're having a good week to you you mentioned the selfishness but then to just focus on yourself and your preparation for your job
1: yeah i've done a pretty good job of that of when i've gotten those spots i think there's something i could probably learn from that and just in general um probably staying off social media at least limiting it during tournament weeks um but yeah the the you know probably the three biggest tournaments i've had probably in the last few years would be pebble waste management and and the and the cane open and every single one of those i kind of just put my phone on do not disturb didn't go on social media just like left it alone you know i'm sure someone could tell you a lot of reasons why that's good but um just just avoiding seeing things that are unnecessary to get me maybe thinking about things i don't need to be thinking about i felt like all three of those isn't specifically i was obviously in a pretty good headspace on the golf course and I didn't need anything to to kind of take me away from that off the golf course. So just kind of put it away, responded to a handful of people that, um, I knew, but just really just put my phone away and try to just, uh, I guess, be present and not just worry about what was going to happen the next day. If that was the Saturday or the Sunday, cause, um, you know, there's just a lot of thoughts can go through your mind. So you don't need to add any fuel to the fire.
0: So, you know, the Saturday night uh, before the Sunday of the Canadian Open, obviously you're by yourself. Um, do you think that helps when you're by yourself prepared, or would you like it when your family's there to take your mind off everything it could wander to in that moment? Or I guess six and one half dozen the other.
1: When my, when my kids are there and my wife's there, it definitely can help for those certain reasons. You know, I was thinking about this earlier. I think the great weeks when your families are there, it makes it that much sweeter. And then, You know, when the the weeks aren't as great, you know, like you said, you can get your mind off the golf, be present with your family and do that kind of thing. So it's, it's always an upside when they're there, you know, that particular week, obviously after that Thursday day, got a nice pep talk from, from Andy. And then, you know, I kind of got in the zone there and I felt like just letting that ride, um, maybe in that instance, just not having anybody around. Obviously we had talked a bunch, but just kind of stayed in that groove. You know, whatever happened that week, it, it definitely worked. So more times than not, I definitely want my family out there to, to help and just get away from what's going on at the golf course, on the golf course. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 better when they're there. But I think that week it just kind of things worked out where I was doing a good job off the golf course, keep my, my mind off of the things I didn't need to think about and kept them focused on things that I needed to be thinking about.
0: I mean, we all have bad days at work. I mean, it doesn't matter what field you're in. Um, do you rely on certain things uh, or habits uh, when perhaps you've had a result that's been uh, disappointing to you or a final round or even a, a hole or something that, that, that cost you uh, a chance at something?
1: Yeah, I think this year especially I've done a good job of that. I feel like golf, you know, you can be felt like you can't miss a shot one day and literally the next day you feel like complete opposite. And I think that's where the process, I don't know about goals, but just your process daily routines can be so important that I've done a good job of sticking to that. You know, one bad round, one bad tournament, you know, I've had a long enough stretch here of of good golf that I've stuck to what has got me to a better place than I was a year ago um, and haven't let, you know, one bad round or one bad tournament kind of stray away. If there's a consistent theme, maybe for a few weeks, then I'll talk to my coaches and see where we we can start to improve or maybe switch things up. But I think in the past, after one bad round, I've probably overreacted too much. Um, you know, and you can, you can spiral pretty quickly doing that and trying to change, try to change everything. So um, I've been good at just kind of sticking to my thing and and not not overthink it.
0: What about goal setting? Is that uh, something you do uh, prior to a season? Does that change as the season goes on? are these things you write down or discuss with Chris perhaps
1: yeah i I've, I've i've you know different coaches throughout the years i've had goals i've written them down um i honestly don't we we definitely talked about our goals this year i don't know if i necessarily wrote them down i think a lot of the stuff like i said that i wanted to shift was was kind of daily process type goals um i read a good book that's kind of stuck with me over the over last fall called atomic habits by james clear and i thought that was it resonated a lot with me just kind of narrowing my focus be a little bit better on that daily you know specifically type stuff um and so that's where i think a lot of my goals have been you know stick to you know if it's having athletic greens in the morning if it's you know having a cold shower if it's being have a little self-awareness doing certain things breathing techniques sticking to my drills with golf you know I feel like my daily, my daily routines at the golf course and warm ups and practice have been very, very consistent um, on things that we know is, is working for me. So, you know, that's probably been the biggest goals. Result goals are great. Um, I've always, ha- you know, liked to have those as well, but um, I think I've started to realize that if I stick to my process goals and really diligent about doing them, then the results will kind of take care of themselves. And that's, I think. Why this year I've probably been the best at, at getting, I guess, the results that I want because I've been not super focused on the results, just doing the things that I think will make me as good as I can be to produce those results.
0: You just mentioned, but is that why you, you know, you're having your best uh, career ever on tour, your best season ever on tour? Um, so you think does that have more to do with the, the physical approach or the mental approach to the game?
1: I think it's a bit of both. Like I said, I've added a few pieces. Chris Bertram was one of them, kinda on of the mental side. You know, I I worked I do work with Mark McCann and Gareth Pafluski, but locally when I've been back in Abbotsford, I've gone and seen Ryan Hawley, who's just been a different approach from the coaching side than I've than I've used in the past. Um and he's been a huge help too. So I feel like I've I've taken a few different angles and been built been diligent, but yeah, I think. I think it's been a combination of both, for sure.
0: Like, obviously, you've got some things that work for you. You mentioned that when you practice. Do you like to keep some things fresh? So to say someone's stuck in their training and uh, motivation, you know, isn't quite where it needs to be. Um, you know, wanting to go to the gym or wanting to practice is not, do you, do you like to keep some things fresh or the motivation stays high?
1: Totally. I've probably been repetitive saying like sticking to the process, but I think this year it's been easy to stick to that because I've had the results showing for it. You know, if there's whatever you're doing in your career, if, it, if things aren't showing, then I think I absolutely need to, to kind of spice things up. I remember seeing a quote that, you know, motivation is an emotion and it's not reliable, which I thought was very interesting. So if you have those, you know, like I, I don't know, just keep repeating it, but if you have these process goals, you know, or processes that you do in the morning, regardless of how you feel, um, once you kind of get in those good routines, it kind of takes care of itself. So that kind of stuck with me where I felt like I've always been a relatively motivated person, but there's certain times where I wake up in the morning and I have no interest to do X, Y, and Z that I plan to do that day. But if you kind of have those daily habits and they get ingrained, um, you know, it's it seems to be, at least for me, my experiences here. Easier to stick to them. You feel like I did the day before when I felt like doing it. If I don't feel like doing it today and I push through, I know, I know it'll feel better by the end of the day. So, um, that's kind of what I've been trying to stick to.
0: You've got your home partnership and Andy and your court, course partnership. Why, why the change of caddies before this season?
1: It was the end of the season last year. And ironically, my last caddy, Dave, um, he just wanted his change of hearts. Um, so yeah, it was the week before the playoffs had started. Dave Markle was on the corn ferry tour. Um I was kind of in a pinch. I didn't really have anybody in mind other than him. He popped to mind quickly. Um so yeah, I had a couple of days to figure it out. I called Dave and said, "Hey buddy, he's he's obviously been a good friend for 15 plus years, but I said, "Hey, this is kind of what happened. No pressure. Um you know, no pressure in a sense I'll give you a few hours, but if you can't do it, let me know. I need to find somebody because I have a tournament in, in a couple of days. So he called back within an hour or two and, and said, I'm all in. Um It was, it was great timing for all of us, but he had just gotten married um with his wife, Aaron. So he, anyways, it's been a really cool year for both of us, but I think for him, for us doing this all together, it's been, been a lot of fun.
0: People joke that the three rules for caddies are show up, uh, keep up, and shut up. But uh, obviously, the, the relationship has to be more than that. How has how his uh, partnership helped uh, with you on course? And what what do you like from your caddy in good times and bad on the course?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think everyone's a little bit different. I think over the years, I almost tried to avoid having a, a good friend as a caddy because I didn't want to kind of – have it cross a line, um, potentially, it, you know, in this, in the golf world, doesn't matter. You know, things can get stale at times. Um, and you want to switch it up. And I didn't really want that awkwardness with a friend, but this just kind of happened. And I was so excited about it because Dave is such a positive person, great person to be around. His golf IQ is extremely high. He was a great player. That's really how we met. Um, was through golf tournaments and then eventually went to the world amateur together in Australia. So I've, I've high trust in his ability to to read lies or read greens and and pick clubs. Um, we've been together a lot, I think kind of in my amateur years where, you know, I, when I reached number one in the world, so he's seen a lot of my, my great golf. And so I felt like his, his past stories or his, you know, compliments just carried more weight for whatever reason. Um, you know, previous caddies probably said the same thing, but maybe I just took his, whatever words they were with, with more meaning. Um, but yeah, on the golf course, I felt like the stuff I've been working on with Chris, he's, he's great at that too, reiterating it and not letting me go down, you know, just a mental spiral that I think a lot of players have probably have always done, but, um, he's helped me kind of just stay on the tracks. Um, and I think that's why this year, my good rounds have continued to be good. Um, and I've probably had some of those four rounds in the past that have kind of steady the ship and he's been there to kind of keep me between the rails. So there's a lot of things that he, he does, but, um, yeah, he's, he's just, he's huge in a lot of reasons.
0: So is he able to read you as well, as well as he can read the greens and the course? Can he has a good feel for what to say at the right time?
1: Yeah, he definitely does. And there's, you know, I feel like we're a pretty open relationship in a sense for after good tournaments and or bad you know, he has no problem saying, Hey, I think at this point, my words probably didn't mean much to you. So, you know, I think you could be better here or there. He's like, Hey, where do you think I could be better in this situation? So, you know, we've obviously had a lot of good stuff, but there's been rounds where, you know, we've had a chat and be like, and I need to be more self-aware of kind of what I'm saying either to myself or, you know, simple things like body language, um, you know, how I'm walking, pace of pace of walk, all that kind of stuff that, you know, it seems small, but, um, you know, when you're in a, a more positive frame of mind, um, better things can possibly happen.
0: We asked our guests, this, uh, everyone that comes on the podcast, and I think you've kind of answered it throughout with the, the 1%, but, uh, the podcast is called don't change much. We're really getting guys to just make simple changes, uh, to get big results. So what does, uh, don't change much uh, mean to you, Nick?
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's not reinventing the wheel to me. If I've, if I've related to myself, I think it's been sticking to good daily habits of if it's diet, exercise, small things. Um, you know, I've one of the things that James clear, I talked about earlier, it was, you know, the hardest thing to do, say, if you go to the gym is putting your shoes on to go to the gym. It's not actually getting to the gym. So like I said, putting stuff in your environment to, to help you do things that you want to do. If that's a daily routine that you think will make your your lifestyle better, diet better, um, try to do just the little things to, to push you down that line. So like I said, a lot of it's been 1% of stuff this year and just trying to stick into that. So it, it hasn't been huge changes, but in the end it's been pretty monumental for my career so far.
0: Well, congrats uh, on the win in Canada. Thank you. Uh, On the season so far. And uh, we know that you have to say no to a lot of things these days, but we're, we're really happy you said yes to this
1: me too thanks Dan
0: thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the conversation click on the follow button and join us every month for a new episode of the don't change much podcast